Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today we dance in the light of mustachioed greatness. I don't know why that sounded like I was going to do like a Dracula voice. (laughs) Well, my apologies. You know, I have a couple of recordings in the bucket. And just like how I hit that tea bucket. And it's just been difficult for me to get some time to edit. But, um, you know, no excuses over here on this end, even though I'm making excuses. I, I really should be getting these out more often. I'm trying to get my schedule going. Work's just uh, really busy. Um, in the industry that I work in, the summer can be taxing. So, and then plus, I've been trying to hit the boxing gym, y'all. Um, I, I, I think out of spite or not, not even out of, maybe it's out of spite. Cause I kind of don't like the summer, even though my birthday is in the summer. And I think I gain weight on purpose every summer just to be an asshole. And then I lose weight and I look really good toward the end of the fall, look really good. Then I gain a little bit during the winter. Then I lose a little bit. Then I gain it all back by my birthday. But this time, no. This time, I've put my foot down. It was my birthday. I looked like shit. Uh, I looked like a... a, a it was a Miami Vice theme. I just looked like a bloated dead body that <laughs> Crockett finds <laughs> by his uh, yacht. So I've decided to start hitting the boxing gym and take losing weight seriously and lower my alcohol intake and eat a little bit better. It's going to be a long process, but, you know, I'm starting to get the hang of it. I just ran about three and a half miles, took a good shower, so now I'm recording this cold open today in good old July, and it's hot as shit in San Antonio. It is so freaking hot, and it's unrelenting. Anyway, enough of my whining. You know, one of the many things I love about hosting this podcast is getting the opportunity to see movies that I probably wouldn't have seen on my own volition. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, obviously I love Latino films. I love a lot of Latino actors. But in general, it's rare that I watch a film that has a wholesome and loving backbone to it or like a family theme. It just wasn't something that I'm super into. And a lot of... uh, Latino films or Chicano films tend to have a lot of that, and uh, I don't know. It's it's so wholesome. Um, but uh, I'm also not much of a foodie either, so I don't watch a lot of movies that have to do with food. I really don't give a shit. Uh, I like good food. Don't get me wrong. I'm not complete garbage, but, you know, just, uh, just never been my thing. But guess who does like both those things? He's wholesome. He's lovable. He's huggable, and he loves to cook. His name is Chef Robbie. He's an amazing man with a great head of hair, and he loves his beer, uh, just which makes him pretty fucking awesome in my book. Anyway, so he recommended 2001's Tortilla Soup, and we had a damn good time discussing it. Well, without further ado, let's lose our sense of taste and smell, not because we have long COVID, but because we miss our dead wife that much. <laughs> then do what all men should do when they lose their wives, flirt with some hot women that are age-appropriate for us, but then actually marry someone half our age, because hell yeah, and ignore our overly dramatic daughters, because who gives a shit? Now play that shit theme song. It's the most podcast you we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary Harry, a 
welcome to the Mustachio Podcast, yo. Today, I bring to you a fucking veteran of this podcast. His name is fucking Chef Robbie Robertson. How's it going, dude? How's it? How you doing, baby? I am fantastic, Daniel. Uh, couldn't be better. I'm looking forward to talking about some, uh, talking about this movie. <laughs> I, I'm eager. I'm ready to go. And so, so Robbie brought uh, tortilla soup, which it from 2001. Never seen it before, and I will say when this came out, I was ooh, not to not to make you feel old, Robbie. I was probably a freshman or a sophomore, probably a sophomore in high school, and at that <laughs> time, I was really busy in um, destroying stuff, lighting shit on fire. I was singing in a punk band. And honestly, one of the things that cringed me out the most were movies based off Mexican-American culture. Because, <laughs> you know, I love Blood and Blood Out from the 90s. I loved all that gangster shit. But where it was like wholesome dramedies, like drama comedies of Mexican-American culture, it always annoyed me in a way. Because I'm like, I, I, I get it. I already fucking know. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to see it as well as much as I have to experience it. Like, fuck that. And so I feel like you, I, it was fate. It was fate for me to start this podcast, how, how, what, three and a half years ago. It was maybe longer. It was fate for me to get to know you. It was fate to have you on this show. And it was fate for you to suggest this movie because I had never seen it. And I probably saw it at the best time that I could have seen it. I just turned 38 uh, in June. Uh, it's probably coming out in July at some point. And I, th- I feel like I have a much more appreciation for the culture I grew up in much more of a nostalgia for it. So it was kind of good timing because I can relate to a lot of this. Um, some of it's, you know, it's a little bit different because I, I grew up with two brothers and two sisters and we're kind of, it was a little more basically what I'm saying, not as much women <laughs> to really, really spice up the scene. Cause when you have a lot of girls, uh, a lot of Latinas specifically, in a household it can get uh pretty fiery as <laughs> as we see in this film and it does really depict it pretty accurately um so thank you so much for bringing it on board what made you want to talk about it today that's what i'm curious about well it's funny with hearing your perspective on this <laughs> yeah this this is actually a remake of one of my favorite movies of all time yeah and uh, uh eat drink man woman which was uh made by ang lee and it is, you know, like you said, I, I'm a chef, and that is one of the best food movies ever made. Just the scenes of the food are amazing in that. And uh, but no, two problems: it is subtitled, and nobody has a mustache. So there was, <laughs> so there was no way really I could bring that one to the podcast, yo. But this is a remake of it, and you know, so this, and again, the food in this movie fantastic also so it gives me something to talk about and it's got a mustache and it's got a mustache and it has to do with some mexican americans which i culturally grew up in a similar type environment a little bit different south texas type mexicanos than uh la type mexicanos which i feel a little bit more like it honestly the father uh, uh played by hector lizondo who we're we're honoring today because he's had must a mustache for who knows how long um <laughs> He uh, that kind of upbringing is a little bit more what I would call like authentico, like this classic Mexican um, influence. And I feel like 
Mexicanos in San Antonio have definitely been more influenced by the German, Irish, like a whole bunch of different influences uh, in South Texas. So it's a little bit more of that Tex-Mex vibe. Like we are famous for speaking Spanglish. And one of the things that right. is a very hard uh, 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 rule of, of Martins is you can either speak Spanish or you can either speak English. You can't be mixing the two. And that's something we do all the time. Uh, especially in San Antonio, where a lot of times uh, San Antonio is very known for if you don't know Spanish, you'll be OK, because more than likely <laughs> you're going to find someone that knows English uh, uh, because we a lot of a lot of the Mexican-Americans here um, and just Latin Americans here know English. So that was a little bit different of a vibe. But me having lived in L.A. for a little bit, I got to experience a little bit of that culture. And I got to say, man. It was really cool to kind of experience that and get that get the influence from it and see how they tell the story. I really want to see the one that used the one from what is that? Ang Lee's is what from the nineties? Uh, yeah, ninety five, ninety six, I think. I want to see it. I really I like Ang Lee. I think he's great, a great director. I even, I even like Hulk. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I would love to hear your take on it because it's funny because it's the, it, the things you just said. Uh, are exactly the same in that movie, but it's about an old school Chinese dad and his daughters. Wow. And it's, it's, but it's the same dynamic. That's so cool. I, I yeah. definitely want to see his. Yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Even without a mustache, I will fully watch that film. Uh, that's one thing I like about this show is because it, it's been difficult, Robbie, because I find myself a lot of my time, you know, obviously I have to work. I have to keep up with this keep up with everything else in my life i don't get to watch a lot of films just to watch them and so because you know if they don't have a mustache in them what am i doing right and so i try i have this list of movies that i I like to go watch basically i try to reserve some time for theater movies like i go to the theater with my nephew and my and my brother and we'll watch movies that are just coming out like i saw the flash recently evil dead all those movies but the movies that i missed out on that don't have mustaches i feel like there's a there's a little slice of the pie that i'm not getting to so that's on the list well you know it's um that's one thing i love about the the podcastio is like where else could we you know we <laughs> could talk about superfly and tortilla soup <laughs> <laughs> it is magical the the way the mustaches just bob and weave throughout different cinema genres is amazing and we find ourselves in this mexican-american family drama led by hector lizondo who's actually of puerto rican descent i believe but we have so many great act actresses and actors actors in general just very a lot of good character actors that i've just I've seen in a whole bunch of fucking films and I'm just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> yeah. That guy like Gomez. I was like, hey, Gomez, yeah. <laughs> I've seen him in so many things. And you were telling me there's someone specific that, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's one of your favorite characters in this film? Elizabeth Pena. Ah, uh, yes. She is legendary. Yes, she is. And, um, you know, Rush Hour and Lone Star and just, you know, uh, Jacob's Ladder, just a ton of different yeah, things that she made. Yeah, and boy, um, uh, she does something for me, or did. <laughs> she <laughs> did something for me, yeah. yeah. I know, she left us too soon, man. It yeah. sucks. It sucks. You know, she, she was, uh, from what I've heard, she was a little bit of a drinker and mm-hmm. took a toll on her, but... 
talk about a talent. Like, I feel like she left so much, so much on the plate. Like, I feel like she could have done so much more um, if she could have lived a little bit longer. But what she left us was a lot of really good work. Yeah, just fantastic pieces. And, and all of them very different. Yes, yeah, she was she was very diverse in, in what she could portray. She could she could play a badass in this movie. She plays someone that's kind of blossoming late, very late, because you know she was I guess in an early marriage where it was very traditional, and she wasn't very independent, right? And she's, she's very re- that, and she's very repressed in this. Yes, very repressed, very religious, very like like dude. Other than like, I guess the most they could put of it was a turtleneck all the way up to her fucking <laughs> mouth. But they're in LA where it's too hot to wear a turtleneck. But she's like basically a nun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she does such a good job. They gave her the little bags, but it's so funny. They try to make her look not hot, yet she still looked hot. (laughs) I I don't know. There's no way to not make her look hot. Welcome to the Getting Down and Wordy podcast ad. What do we do on this podcast? Well, it's the first at a musical podcast. Can you try that again in real words so that people can understand? Fine. We talk about the intersection of popular music and language. Oh, can we also talk about Eurovision? Okay. Find us on Apple and Spotify. We are a Podmoth Network podcast. That was like the number one thing I took from the beginning of this film was like, damn, Martin can make some kids because all three of these girls, they're they're supposed to be all three kind of different, slightly different generations. It kind of reminds me of my family. I'm the youngest in mine. So I was the Madi, the Madi Bell. In my family, I was the angsty early 2000s. Like when I saw her, I'm like, that was me. Like I was in a record shop (laughs) working. Yeah, going. I was going to record shops. I was talking to chicks that looked just like her with like the Mexican Rachel. uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, the highlights and everything. And then Carmen is kind of like a little bit like my sister, my older sister, Angela, who is more focused on like. I want to make this family proud. I want to like focus on business and stuff. She's the, she's the oldest. She you know. yeah. And, well, Leticia I think is the oldest. I think Leticia. Oh. Yeah, I think Leticia is the oldest, but she's the one that she had she got married but got a divorce. Right. Then moved back to help with the with the dad because I guess um the his wife passed away, their mom passed away. So she's been helping out. But what's crazy is they're all different ages. I guess you got like a mid-30s, you got a mid-20s, and then you got like a 18, 19-year-old. Yeah. But they're all living in this household with with Martin, played by Hector Elizondo. And so now it's like it's come time where they're all wanting to kind of find their own path in life. And that's kind of the – that's what brings all the drama to the story. While he's this cook – He's a chef, a very like profound chef, like yeah. a very recognized chef who has lost. Is this the same in Ang Lee's version? He's lost sense of smell and taste. Well, Does he get yeah. COVID? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that 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 is the, the conceit of the movie is that when his wife died, he lost his sense of taste. And um, wow. OK, that's so dramatic. That's yeah. so dramatic. That, and you know, and that's the thing. It's like he's lost his zest for life. Yes, you know, <laughs> it does make sense. Like, because in the beginning, like you know, when we first watched this, all all the girls are in their own world. They're all basically it's it's a it's a even though they live on the same house, in all, even though they live on the same house, they're all in their own silos. Right. 
right? And they're not really connected anymore. They're not the family that they used to be. And he is just on the outside looking in. He's feeling like he's not the chef that he used to be. His own daughter, Carmen. Like, I'm sorry. Like, one of the things that bothers me about this film, Robbie, is yeah. that there's so much food porn. Like, watching. Oh, yeah. I, this is totally food oh porn. Oh, God. Like, watching. All, we, <laughs> I got to say, there's probably almost 12 to 15 minutes of pure food porn of watching someone cut shit, mix shit. Stuff like boiling pots and stuff they put together. And one of the things that pisses me off the most is it all happens and then they take the food to the table and no one really eats it and they just start <laughs> bitching at each other. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'd be like, yo, save your drama for after I'm done eating, bitch. <laughs> like, but, that's why they needed a son. <laughs> but, well, that's, that's one of the things that's funny in the movie is like when they sit down with the family – you're right. There's always tension and they're kind yes. of fighting. They never get the food. Whenever someone else comes to the table and eats with them, they're like, they're like my, my God, this is great. It's like... <laughs> yeah. They've been so spoiled with this, with their pops food. They don't, they take it for granted, you know, like it to the, to the point where, because uh, Carmen is like, she's going to be a, like, she has the she has the gift of what her dad has. It's very obvious, right. right? Right. That's her passion. That's her passion. But she didn't really want her to go through the trials and tribulations, as you very well know. I don't know if, yeah. if y'all know. I call them a chef. Uh, Robbie is a chef, and he has been through this experience. He understands the hardships and the the amount of uh, ter- like the obstacles you got to tackle. Yeah, I wouldn't. Want, I wouldn't want my daughter to do it either. I can yes. just lay that out there. Which I is like, it. damn, that that's true. Yeah, it hits me yeah. the feels. You wouldn't want your daughter to do it either. Yeah. It's that tough. Yeah. And my I did it, my wife did it, and I would not want my kids to do it. If they you know, if they choose to do it, that's all you know, that's their choice. But you know, for me, I would rather there are other ways I would like for them to other paths for them to pursue. Yeah. And so Martine sort of pushes her to go to to get her master's degree in business administration or whatever and she's sort of like a, a she's kind of in like what like some sort of managing like yeah she's some sort of corporate big shot it's a little vague <laughs> it's and, very vague <laughs> but they do a good job of like yeah she helps big corporations figure out what to do with their money basically yeah yeah she's important you know she's important what... she's big in finance and you know all that good stuff and and also, like, predicting, like, what to do with your money. And so she deals with a lot of big wigs and stuff. And really, at the heart of heart, like, she always wanted to be a chef and do her food thing. And because at first, I was wondering, like, man, she's being kind of sh- a bratty because she's, like, you know, the <laughs> one of the very beginning scenes, aside from her on the phone and stuff, is we see Martine making all this great food for them. And they start eating, and she's right away like, oh, you didn't include the seeds of right. the peppers and stuff. And he's like, well, that's not the – because he's very traditional. Like he makes everything specifically the way you're supposed to make it, and she has much more of a fusion, I guess, right? Yeah, like, it's the Spanglish thing again. Yes. It, it, it's also coming through in the food that he is traditional, and this is the way you do it. This is the right way. And she's much more of, no, this is a mix. You can mix things. It's yeah. different. Different cultures coming together, different things working together. And I will say, like, experience-wise, from my upbringing and then tasting you know, more authentic Mexican food, 
in my experience, more authentic Mexican food has a completely different flavor, you know, uh, palate. I or like favor, uh, flavor. Uh, there's a word for it. Profile. Thank you. There's a yeah. different flavor profile for it, and it doesn't quite hit you as as the same. Like I feel like Tex-Mex yeah. tends to be a little bit more spicy, a little bit more stingy. And then it brings the flavor. Well, authentic Mexican, you know more than me. I don't even know what I'm talking about it. But you know what I mean? (laughs) It's a different balance. It's a different balance. It is. But also there are a bunch of different, you know, kind of Mexican cuisines. you know, Different regions. regions. And, you know, the most authentic Mexican food I ever got, I was uh, camping once down in Mexico with my wife. And I bought tamales uh, from a woman out of a galvanized bucket. And it (laughs) it, it was potatoes and chorizo. And yeah, that. Oh my God, I would eat the shit out of that. Yeah, that's all we ate the whole, the whole time we were down there. That's you know all we had to eat was we just when she'd come by in the morning, we'd buy tamales from her. And... That is a flavor bomb. Yeah, man, that that's one of my mom's favorite tacos is uh, papas con chorizo. Man, I get that for twice a week. That yeah. and I'm like, you know, I take care of her, so it's like, hey, I'll get if that what makes you happy, yeah. I'll go get you that taco, and it's not that common like uh, some places don't make it and so or they don't make it right right a certain way that she likes Mm. it so i have to there's maybe two or three places in san antonio out of all the tacadillas (laughs) that she makes me go to because those are the ones that do it right and the things you do for mom you know you got to do it it's it's just part of the job but so like so he's got carmen who's like that and then you have leticia and she's just out of sorts. She's a teacher. She's like a chemistry teacher or something. Yeah, uh, she's a she's a high school teacher or, or high a school. Junior. Yeah, I, say, yeah. I think it's like high school because I think they show some like freshmen. They all look like freshmen in her class, right? Yeah, and yeah, and like you said, she's had some sort of relationship that failed, and she's living at home. And it, it, it seems like that after a relationship failed, she turned to religion, and so she's she's very kind of controlled and, and and pent up might be oh yeah i mean whew, can you imagine how tight it is down there yeah <laughs> that's where i'm gonna put the commercial <laughs> <laughs> but i mean she does she does do such an excellent job because none of us are a stranger to this and i think that's what makes you know i'm not trying to say this is a film you need to go see right now or whatever but they're they the film does such a great job of capturing all these different personalities and everyone has this person, whether it's a sibling or someone in your family, everyone has this person that just sort of turtles and they, right. You know what I mean? They just kind of turtle in. They're afraid to, to risk that pain that they dealt with before. Yeah. She's been, she's been burned. And so she's she's turned inside. She's turned inside and the sisters are so bothered by it because they're just like, come on, like you're still you're not that old. Like, I guess she's supposed to be late 30s, early 40s, maybe. And to a, what to especially. Oh, my God, dude, especially <laughs> Latino families of so many abuelitas would be telling her like, oh, she's already done. Like, yeah. she, <laughs> she's, <laughs> you might as well work at the library. Right. you know. Well, she practically is. You know? You're going to be an old maid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be an old maid. Nobody wants mm-hmm. you. Because, unfortunately, uh, a big thing with uh, uh, Latinas, especially Mexican-American cultures, we're all known, like, a lot of us are told, like, you got to get them while you can because the next thing you know, they look like your aunt. And nobody <laughs> wants that. 
it's a it's a quick turnaround, man. It's like a flip of a coin. So you really got to take advantage while you can. So that whole thing of like you're running there, out of time. There's a small window. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And I don't know how many Latinos listen to my podcast, but I'm sure they can relate to the feeling of pressure that their family brings onto them of like, you need to hurry up. And unfortunately, like, well, and that's unfortunate, a- but like, it's becoming like where we're trying to just find ourselves first now. It's not. Right. It's not and that's one, of the, that's one of the themes of the movie is the, the familial and the societal pressures, you know, like that all the, you know, like that each of the women are kind of experiencing expressing a different way that they've had pressure put on them and how they respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Not and the expectation. It. Yeah. I did not expect this from you. I, I, this is probably the most warmest film I think I've ever covered. Cause like, I feel like this is the most like, like straight up warm, almost could be played. Like could be, it could be on lifetime. Kind of like I have I was, not covered a lot of these. I would say this is the only movie that you and I have ever talked about that I wouldn't mind someone else knowing we watched it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like if my mom saw it or something, it'd be fine with it. It's like <laughs> I did tell my mom, like, hey, so I'm because co- my mom always is like, hey, um, whatever movie you're covering for your podcast, we should watch it together. And like so many of them, I'm like, I'm sorry, we can't do this. Like, I cannot watch this movie with you. But Death this- Wish 4. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I'm always like telling her this, but I told her, hey, there's a movie I'm covering today. We can watch this together. She's like, okay, so we're actually going to watch this this weekend. I think she'll like it. I think, I think like she it. will too, yeah. And she loves Paul Rodriguez. And Paul Rodriguez is in this film and He's good at it. He's not on the screen a lot, but he's he knocks it out when he needs it. Because there's because yeah. honestly, I was thinking coming in, it was going to be way more comedy, but it's actually way more of a drama. It's way more of like it's a light drama. It's not super right. heavy, but it it is a light drama. And then there's some comedic moments, and yeah. and I do wish that they gave um, Hector Lizondo a little bit more to do. Because, dude, I've seen him in so many films, and he's so hilarious like to, yeah. okay to me i have in my notes here he is um he is the jerry stiller of of latinos like he is he's kind of like jerry stiller but wow like that's, that's, a, that's a great comparison <laughs> <laughs> i would have never thought of that but you're right on <laughs> i decided my notes like he has such good timing he can be funny with just facial expressions he right. doesn't have to say anything and he's such a stoic guy at the same time. Like he can get one thing about Jerry Stiller that I really, I don't think people give him enough credit for. Um, I used to watch a lot of his work, not just on Seinfeld, but on King of Queens, which yeah. is often overlooked because a lot of people just are like, ah, whatever. It's just a generic sitcom, but they give Jerry Stiller a lot of real shit to say in that, in that show every now and then it's very rare but when he decides to get serious, you really zone in and you feel what he's feeling. Arthur is the best thing in this, that show. Yeah, it is. Like that show would have, it would have not gone nine seasons. It would have gone four, three, maybe. Yeah. You know, Kevin James has talent and so does Leah Remney. I'm not going to take anything away from them. They're very talented. But yeah, Jerry Stiller carried the shit out of that show. Yeah. And he just has a way of being very charismatic and you very much I don't know. You just he can pull your heartstrings, and the same goes for acting Elizondo. He can be a, a a real clown and really 
be hilarious, but then he can get kind of serious and he, he kind of leans on the more serious part of, of his, of his acting abilities yeah. in this film, but he does a great job either way. I think he does great as the dad. Well, I think, you know, he, he, he has the gravitas that's necessary to be a man who is so, who, who, who you know, for, I think they say 15 years, you know, without a sense of taste because he lost his wife. And, you know, but he did his best to raise his daughters and give them everything. But still, you could tell that there was something in him that that he lost. Yeah, he's missing something. He had to raise three daughters, three hot Latina, three hot Latina (laughs) daughters. He was like fucking he was like uh, one of the fucking uh, (laughs) he was one of the Sith Lords with the double blade. Just just like fucking knocking motherfuckers out. Who would have thought some fucking. um, was it Brazilian guy? Uh, was it Andy? Yeah, uh, yeah. Andy gets Madi uh, uh, Madi Bell. Madi meets up with this like random. She works at a record shop. It's perfect. Like they perfectly stereotypically signed her up for the right spot where she's working at a record shop. This random Brazilian guy was supposed to meet up with one of her friends that she works with, and she blows him off. Um, I think she saw his, his hairline, and she was like, yeah. "Oh, that hair is going to be gone in five years." Fuck that guy. A strong windstorm is going to get rid of all those follicles. Fuck this dude. But you know what? It's not enough for Madi. She decides to talk to him and they flirt a little bit and he manages to get her attention, which is kind of shocking. Yeah, he gets her attention. So now she's kind of because she's on that track of like and it's a pressure that I think a lot of um, first, second generation uh, of any culture you feel that pressure of like, oh, I have to go to college. I have to like, you know what I mean? You feel this pressure to do it. Sure. And so she is expected to go to college by her dad. But yeah, her life has been laid out for her. Of what pretty much. Doing. Yeah, she's got her path and she's got to follow it. Bop, 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 like she's playing fucking Super Mario World. And but she meets this guy and he's he's um kind of I guess it's kind of weird. He's like privileged in a way because he, I guess his parents have enough money to get his punk ass all the way to the States to get his punk ass, to get his own apartment. I, he has a job and a, like he's in, and a convertible and he lives in Los Angeles. And, and I got to say, Robbie, one of the things I had in my notes was how are these three girls? Cause I lived there for a little bit. How are these three girls so pissed off? They're acting like they live in a fucking Pueblo, Pueblo in the fucking border <laughs> town of like, <laughs> Arizona or something. I'm like, dude, you're in LA. You can like fucking move a little bit. You can move 45 minutes away from wherever the fuck you are and make a shitload of money. And they're like, oh my God, my life is so shitty. I got to move to fucking <laughs> Bolivia. Yeah. Like, no, you're in Los Angeles. Like, you can do great. You can find anything you want to do. You know, Spanish. You know, it's a big part of the culture there. You're already engulfed in it. Like, why would you move? It's so weird that they're not happy with their life. I guess it's one of those things. You, the green, the grass is greener on the other side. I, yeah. I think maybe that's what it's trying to tell us. But, you know, like, Madi sees this guy who's from Brazil, and he's come all the way to LA, and he's like a, a world seeker. He's seen all these different places, and she feels like, oh, I've been just here my whole life. Like, I've, I've been missing out, yeah. you know? So everyone's getting influenced a little bit. Yeah. And I think with all three of the daughters, it's kind of the same thing. They've all had their paths laid out for them of what they're expected to do. And then all of them have to find their own way. Yeah. And I was going to tell you, the, the act crew played um, Andy. Uh, yeah. That's Klaus Kinski's son. You are f- 
Yeah. Wow. That explains the hairline. Yeah, I look, <laughs> I look it up and it's like, what the fuck? No way. By the way, me and Robbie, great hairlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of hair. Robbie's like... better than mine, but we have great hairlines. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. If you have any other fun facts about the actors, because I did not expect that shit. Holy shit. Yeah, I was I was completely taken back when I when it was like, who? No. Like, he's playing is, Brazi- Brazilian? <laughs> I was gonna say, is he what is so you oh know, Klaus obviously German descent. I mean, is his mom of some other sort of because he does kind of have a sort of Latin look to him. He's got like that kind of uh, ashy brown and he's got the dark eyes. He does I I gotta say I he pulled off sort of he could be. He could have been Cuban or Puerto Rican or Bolivian. Like I would have believed any of those. I, I would have yeah. believed right. Brazilian, generically ethnic. generic Latino. Yeah, <laughs> generic South American. He yeah. looks very because he kind of has an accent too. And he, I don't. So now I'm curious if he's doing that accent or if he has an accent. I don't know. I, I would just that's the only bit I've got is like I was just like, well, who is a last name? Kitsky. Well, that's weird. And then I click on it on IMDB. It's like he's Klaus Kitsky's son. Oh, how did I not even know? You know, this goes to show you how I, I, I know I need to do more for the listeners. Yeah, his name's Nikolai Kinski. That is bonkers. I can't believe that was his that's his dad. Wow. Yeah. And I gotta say, like, he does not do a bad job. For that part, like he doesn't have a lot to do, and I feel I, I gotta say, out of all the characters, at first I didn't like Andy. He was just like he just felt like this weirdo that hangs out inside a record shop and just hits on people. I was like, this guy's a fucking weirdo. Is that too close to home, or a little bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, like the whole thing of where, and we're kind of forwarding a little bit. But we'll backtrack because there's a lot of stories going on. We have all the all the all the sisters, the siblings, all their stories going on. But Monty Bell's is a very interesting one because it's the one that I guess I personally could relate to a little bit the most, um, being the fact that I was kind of around her age when this movie came out, and and also the clothes they were wearing were clothes yeah. that. <laughs> they all look like they came out of a corn video and, yeah. uh, and so <laughs> when they decide they want to be together because it feels like every dinner that Martin holds up like every every dinner some kind of big big announcement comes up right <laughs> like, that, geez, I wouldn't that, stop posting it I'm like well, you that, know what I don't want to know anymore <laughs> well that's the thing like the first dinner they have with the family it's kind of like they set the mood that like the girls are tense whenever they get together for a family dinner and yeah. then with each one after that one of the girls brings so, like someone new comes and there's an announcement <laughs> and, it, and, you know, and it sets off the little you know that that person's story there's always an announcement that you know it sort of says what this person's story is, what the conflict for that person is going to be in the movie. And they always do it at dinner. It's bonkers, man. I just want to eat, baby. Like, (laughs) I'm just like, I'm sorry. Like, that's one thing I loved about my family. We did not reserve drama for eating time. (laughs) And again, it makes, it, it makes fantastic sense for a screenplay. So I totally understand. That's when you have everyone together. That's when you, but yo, I don't give a shit if I like accidentally shot a hobo. I'm finishing dinner, bitch. <laughs> and then I'll tell my parents, like, hey, by the way, shot a hobo. I just Spec- let y'all know. 
especially if they put that grilled fish in front of you or something like that. Oh my god, I know. I'm like, I'm not gonna like ruin this great food that my pops just made me. Fuck no. Like my dad <laughs> yes. was one of the best at my dad did not cook much for us. My mom cooked all our meals for the most part. But this man could grill chicken, barbecue oh. chicken, the best I've ever tasted in my life. This man could just grill chicken. And so whenever he decided he wanted to make grilled chicken, I got I to gotta tell you, I don't give a shit what I just did. I would finish that chicken. That's <laughs> hey, by the way, Pops, ah, right over at Hobo. The police are going to be knocking on the door in a minute. Yeah, but just I, so I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's totally camera footage of me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just wanted to taste your grilled chicken one last time before you punch me in the face or you get mad at me. But, yeah, like, it is insane how every dinner – the the girls bring up crazy shit and um and also by the way i did know i did i one of the few things i did read was that in the ang lee uh um, version there's a very similar thing where they call the chef over the dad over to fix a big issue that's going on because that's what we find out because at first you just think oh he really likes cooking and then you realize, oh, he's a, he was a chef at some point, and he owned his own restaurant. All these people respect the shit out of yeah. him. Yeah, and I, and I, it's a little different in um, the Angley version. He is a hotel chef. He's a bank, he, and there are a lot of big banquets going on that he and something goes wrong. He gets uh-huh. called in. Same sort of thing here. I think he is actually supposed to be the owner of the catering company, and so uh-huh. his his crew is out there doing the meal, and something goes wrong, and so they call him, and you know he goes in to fix it. On his day off, he does, and he does a he does save it up. Like, and I don't know if this made any sense to you, chef wise, because you know much more than me, uh, and I don't know how familiar you are with with all this. But I guess they had some kind of over the apple baked thing, and yeah, they it burned a, it. Yeah, it was a baked apple, and they burned the the crust on the outside. So he had them uh, cut the apples apart um, and uh, mix it with made some syrup. He made some. Uh, uh, croutons to go with it and he called it uh call it bel melange yeah. uh, which means the beautiful mess and that's that is almost exa- a very similar scene in the angling movie okay and i'll say one thing that me and my brother always called this whenever my mom just mixed a bunch of shit together because uh, there actually is a dessert that is known for just being a bunch of sh- stuff together bread raisins right onions, you know so we call it capiotada so like whenever um so it became a slang thing and i don't know if this is just regional or i don't know any of y'all out there that happen to be Mm -hmm. (laughs) led to said whenever you need to throw something together be like ah you know just like throw it together like see (laughs) see if it works (laughs) yeah and so that was a dessert that was very common my neighbor who uh is actually from mexico would send us a uh, capiotada and it was actually really good. My dad loved it, but it, man, as a little kid, I just hated raisins. <laughs> I just couldn't stand raisins in dessert. I didn't like fruitcake either. And my dad loved fruitcake and uh, luckily no one else liked it. So he really yeah. got to have his uh, share, his, his fair share of fruitcake. As a, as a dad, I understand that move. It's like, you find that thing that nobody else in the house likes and then, and no, and then it's going to be there. You're like, because having kids, somebody's going to eat your shit. Yes. So, <laughs> so you got to find that thing nobody else likes. It's genius. I, I grew up similarly because uh, my brother was um, quite the hungry hippo, uh, and I was the youngest. And so he 
at least in our family, I don't know how it is in other families, but the oldest gets first choice. They get they get to basically do whatever they want, and you, you just get crumbles of whatever's left. And so I would purposely find cereals that I knew he didn't like. And I'm talking right. six years old, dude. Like, yeah. I had to find things. I would, like, tell my dad, like, can you get this cereal? Because I, I had heard from him that he didn't like it. Just so I could have some in the morning. Because if yeah. not, this fat fuck, he's 11 years old. This fat fuck would eat all of it. And then I'd be stuck with nothing. I'd be stuck with crumbs. And I'm yeah. like, fuck that. So it's survival of the fittest when it comes to some of these families. Family of four. And who knows? Like, there's some families or families of seven, eight, nine. I don't know how the fuck they did it. I barely could handle yeah. four. It's insane out there. Um, so, and this is a family of three. Um, and they, they've managed to survive. One thing I do like, I do like the scene of like, because it, it is, it is kind of like that in most families. I think anyone can relate to this. Like, you can have very different personalities between your siblings, but all in all, there's always kind of a through line and a connection between all of you. There's a sort of a similar um, understanding of where you all came from. And I do like that where they're all kind of bickering, but then they're all start right. breaking plates and shit. <laughs> right. And they do a really good job of showing that, that like, yes, these are very different people and they have conflict and those, you know, the things in the family, but in the end they are a family yeah. and, and, They've got, you know, and they want what's best for each other. And they have, you know, they disagree and they fight and they have conflict. But in the end, uh, they really care about one another. And it, and it comes through. And it's not one of those, like, hokey, oh, I love you so much kind of things where it's said. It's kind of, like you said, shown more through their actions. And I will say, as soon as I saw that Godman was dating Ken Marino, he's the yeah. actor playing the, uh, uh, my name is Jeff. Uh, he's playing a man named Jeff. I was like, oh, he's cheating on her. Like, I, I'm sorry, Ken Marino, and I'm not sure about the man himself. I've never met him. I think he's a great improv comedian. Like, he's very well known for doing that. I think he's great in a lot of things he's done. But he just has the face of an absolute douchebag <laughs> that would cheat on you. Like, sure, whoever was in charge of casting, kudos. Because yeah, I would also, uh, back then when he was more younger and he's a little more fit, I would also hire Ken Marino to play the douchebag white guy that cheats on you. Yeah. Like right away, I, I was like, I, can't, I can't. he didn't he didn't have to say two words. I was like, oh, this guy, he's gonna cheat on me. I was like, yeah. so sure of it. And she's so. Um, that's the thing is, all the daughters in their own way, even though maybe Godman is a little bit the more worldly one because she's got her master's degree. Obviously, she's met right people from all different cultures and stuff. They're all still kind of innocent. They're also very good people and trusting. Right. Uh, they're, they're all good girls, I guess it'd be a way to they're put it. They're all good girls that could be, unfortunately, taken advantage of or lied to because they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt because they were raised right. Yeah. You know, they weren't raised to, like, not trust anybody because their dad's a very honest, yeah. trustworthy person. And yeah, Martinez is – you know, Martin is a, he's kind of, he's quiet. He's, he's reserved, but he's, a, he's a straight shooter. And he's yeah. A, yeah. Agreed. And I think that's one of the biggest, that's one of the things that they had to tackle was as honest and transparent and open as like your family household is, as you meet other people, they can try to manipulate you and try to like find ways to take advantage of you. And, the way she finds that out is so fucked up. I I, forget, I think she's like 
um I, I think she like decides like she she gets enough. Oh, it says well Gomez. So uh, who is Gomez played by? He's a character actor that I've seen uh, so much shit. Um, oh Julio Oscar, uh, Mich- Michoso, something like that, Michoso or something like that. All all I know is I've seen this guy in so many things. He's been in a lot of different shit. If you look him up, he's been in so many different movies. He was in Blue Streak, Jurassic Park three, um. The Lost City, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. He's been a lot of stuff. I love this guy. He unfortunately has passed away. He passed away in 2017, way too early. I actually think he's awesome. I think he's a Cuban actor. Yeah. And um, and I think he's actually is a Cuban in the film. I think Martin tells him like about how he's a Cuban and everything. Yeah. And, um, they're like best buds. Yeah, that's a great relationship. Also, I, it actually does help the film a little bit. Like, I need it. It's the only chance you get to see Martin not be a dad. Yeah, and all, but it's also you can see that, especially with uh, Carmen, that Gomez was the emotional connection with her dad a lot of the way. You know, yeah. like th- that he was her dad's best friend and right hand man, but he was the one that talked about when she was little and would come in the kitchen, he would take her around and. And you know that basically she, like an uncle, right? Yeah, yeah, like a close uncle. Yeah, he could kind of connect the dots because we you know with their mom being gone for a large chunk of their life, like he was that bridge of the gap of because he could actually basically Martin will open up to him, right. then he can take all that and then translate it over to the daughters because Martin was not going to open up to his daughters that way. He was not going to be that vulnerable. Right, I, I think a lot of dads have trouble doing that without the proper therapy that none of our dads ever had, <laughs> and so that's what that's what Gomez was. Gomez was kind of like that therapy close friend where he could open up to him, and he could be that bridge. Yeah, he he could be honest with both both of them. And what's honestly, I I think the film probably doesn't get credit for. It's not like Gomez is on screen a lot. Like they really had to translate that pretty quick because there's yeah. a lot of other shit going on. And I think that goes to show you how great of an actor he is because he they the are the especially the interaction between between him and Hector Elizondo, it captures that little chemistry pretty quickly. And it's such, and it's just a little scene. They're just sitting around having drinks after work. You yeah. know, it's, you know they're they're tired. They're still in their uniforms, but it's just. You can tell they've done this a you know a thousand times. Yep, I do like how Gomez tells him in that scene when they're having some drinks after work after he saves the day with the dessert, and he tells him like, "Well, good luck getting rid of Leticia. She's already has the like the ultimate <laughs> boyfriend." He's like, "What?" Yeah. He's like, "Jesus Christ!" <laughs> he goes such a crazy. He's like, "You son of a bitch!" And only your good friend could tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell that he's one of the few that can kind of uh, sharp stick him and he's yeah. not going to get, you know, overly pissed off about it. Like he's going to have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. So that that's awesome to see that. And I think he like dies of a, a, a fart that he can't let out. <laughs> like he, like, I saw what he says, like he goes to the hospital and he's like, oh, it was a fart that I couldn't. <laughs> Which, by the way, I've heard that can happen where you can have trapped gas and it can feel like a heart attack. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, yes, yes, I have. I've heard that can happen. I I, I can't remember where I heard it. Now like, you've given me something new to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> but you can have trapped gas where it feels like, oh my god, I'm like having severe pain, like to where it's like a point, like you know, like an eight or nine point of pain, and you go to the hospital and they're like, yeah, you just 
you just really need a fart. Yeah, just let it rip, man. <laughs> but I love that the fact this is what kind of made me think of Jerry Stiller was this happens because um, Martin Hector Lizondo has him taste test something that he's making and he keels over and it made me think of that <laughs> Seinfeld episode where where Arthur or what was um, Jerry Stiller's uh, day uh, Mr. Costanza I don't yeah. know what his first name yeah. was but Mr. Costanza where he's in the army and he sickens a bunch of people yeah. he's a <laughs> and I was like hey look they've had similar <laughs> experiences where they fed their friends food and they had to go to the hospital. So he goes to the hospital. That shit cracked me up. Like, he just keels over. The fate of Gomez is so rough because... Yeah, go, and yeah Gomez... <laughs> he serves his purpose in the movie, but he doesn't get treated right. That's <laughs> not. I'm like, we could... I understand you're trying to bring drama to this comedy. You didn't have to kill him. You really didn't. I liked him. Why did you have to do it? Because, I mean, it was enough that he went to the hospital. He has the heart of heart. He has a little heart of heart with Carmen, who's obviously she's kind of pushing it. to. She's kind of um, because her dad pushed her to a corporate life. She's throwing it in his face of like, here's what happens when you threw me in a corporate life. Yeah. Now I can get this this uh, condo in uh, was it Playa del Rey or whatever, and now I'm wanting to move to below uh, Bolivia, Barcelona, Barcelona, yeah. because I met this like fucking, it's rich all guy. rich guy who yeah, rich guy <laughs> and he can buy shit and so has a plane. He has a plane. <laughs> yeah, the plane. And so. Now she has all these opportunities and she's throwing it in his face because all she ever wanted was just to be home and cook food and be like be in a similar type environment as her dad was in. Yeah. So she's trying to throw it in his face, but his whole thing is like, no, it's exactly like do it. Like go. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. That's a better life. Go do that. Yes. It's a safer life. You have more you have a safety net. You're going to make a shitload of money. Now you have this condo that you can like pay for itself, you know, cause you already bought it, you know? And so she's doing great. Like out of all, out of the three sisters, she is doing really good. Yeah. Right. Cause you know, Leticia is a teacher. Let's face it. Not great. I mean, like that's a, it's a living, but it's you what you get yeah. about 40,000 a year. Uh, and at that time, maybe less. And then, you know, Madi, she's just working at a record shop, and she's just ba- barely kind of getting her schooling together and everything. Right. She's in the very beginning of building a, some path toward a career. And you can tell she's kind of drifting a little. She is. I think she feels uh, – the movie very makes it very apparent. Mm. Like, she feels – and honestly, the youngest always feels this way. I felt this way, too. That's why I'm so loud. That's why I host a podcast. <laughs> That's why I was singer in a band. Because you don't get a lot of attention as the youngest. But a lot of people misconstrue it. They think, oh, the youngest, they're the cutest, they're the most spoiled. In a working class family, you are lost in the mix. So you're like, kind of like, oh, we've already done this three times. We, yeah. You see, know what see, I mean? see, as the oldest, I think y'all need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, the oldest <laughs> need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I agree. I'm gonna let John know that. <laughs> it's true though. Like you really do feel a little invis- invisible because like everything is happening around you. And then as you get older, 
everyone feels like they don't need to tell you anything because you're always going to be like the kid to their in their eyes. Right. They don't want to involve you in any important decisions. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, until but, I was 30 something, I, I finally now I'm a little more involved in those things. But when I was in even 32, I was kind of just no one worries about Daniel. We're not going to have to yeah. tell him. So I can yeah. kind of understand that from her perspective. Yeah. You yeah. know, I could see that. I could see that. But they make it very apparent to the point. It's so blunt where she's like talking, but everyone's ignoring her. I'm like, no, right. fuck that. If I <laughs> shout it out, like I'll get everyone's fucking attention. Let's face it, baby. You've heard my fucking theme song. I'm pretty loud. I and, and that is one of the things with her relationship with Andy is that, you know, part of it is like she is like trying to get their attention. She's trying to get them to yeah. say to she is striking out and saying, pay attention to me. You know, I've got something to say. And something I, got I something to say. And something I want to do. <laughs> yeah, I think she saw she definitely as soon as she fell for him, she saw him as this opportunity of like, well, she fell in love with the fact that he came from a different country. He's an explorer. He's experiencing new things. She fell in love with that aspect of him, that right. um the you know that narrative. And then what's so funny. And what I love what the film does, and I know it's on purpose, is that, excuse me, she brings it up during dinner. There's this whole blow up, which is hilarious because Andy's co completely caught off guard because he, he didn't yeah, know that like, she was going to move in with him. Yo, I just want to eat. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just here to eat. And like, there's this whole awkward exchange, by the way, where Martin is telling him like about how like, because he's, um, it's kind of a equivalent of like, if you're, I guess, like if you're from Mexico, but you're of like, german descent or you're of russian yeah. descent you you're whiter and so he's like a whiter uh brazilian yeah. and he's like oh yeah all the white brazilians i know were of nazis, nazis. like yeah. jesus <laughs> christ this is a dinner table dad god damn <laughs> that's dad you know that's, <laughs> that, that's a, like to me that's the most like where you're like okay martin like you need to calm the fuck down <laughs> But I can see him being super protective about his youngest. You know, she's right. the youngest, and um, she's the most um, vulnerable, too. You could tell. Like, she's a little bit more of the, uh, you know, she's a little bit more hippie, sort of whatever. Uh, and so I think he feels like he needs to protect her. But, like, him saying all that shit, I was like, holy shit. Okay, dude, whatever. But then that's when... Madi is just like, you know what? I'm sick of this family not listening to me. Like, because she wanted to take a couple of years off before going to college. Right. Which, by the way, very similar, bro. <laughs> I remember making the same announcement because I had my band and I and I wanted to focus on my music. I was like, you know what? I want to focus on my music for one or two years. Maybe I get signed. Maybe we tour and I don't have to worry about college. And my sister, Angela, she's the so I have two sisters. I have mm -hmm. one that's two years older than me. And I have one that's nine years older than me. The one that's nine years older than me is she is the bossiest, most <laughs> like, this is how good you can. Like, she sees all of us and she sees our full potential. And if yeah. we don't meet it, she lets us know. She's, she's very all, blunt. She's almost your mom. but Almost. Yeah. And she yeah, honestly helped bring me up. You know, right. like, she remembers me when I was a little baby. Like, she fed me and stuff. So she told me, like, Nope, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, and my dad was actually way more chill about it because my dad actually loved 
me and my brother being in bands and being in music mm-hmm. and stuff. He loved that. He would go to our shows and yeah. Um, he was a little bit more of the liberal arts kind of guy. And even though he's a blue collar dude, it, he supported it. But my sister Angela was like, no, get your fucking degree. Then you can play as music as much as you want, but get your fucking degree. Like that was all I heard. And I had to go right. Like that was it. So I totally understand her dad telling her like, no, there's no excuses. You need to go. You have to go to school. And she gets so pissed off about it that she decides that she's going to announce that she's going to move in with Andy. And Andy's like, wait, what? <laughs> the fuck? You're, you're going to do what now? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I just love the fact that she goes from that to being this free spirit to where she turns Andy's life into a marriage. Like, dude, what are we a lesbian couple? What the fuck? Like you have like fast tracked our relationship to another level. <laughs> she does. the ex- She does the exact same thing to Andy. That she complains about her family doing to her. Yes, I love that. It's poetic justice. <laughs> She's like fucking a real. I'm sorry, dude. Like that is one of the things about me being like single now in my 30s. That is my nightmare, bro. When I saw this happening to Andy, <laughs> I've never felt so like I could feel his fear. I was like, wait, wait, where did you put everything, bitch? Like this well, is my apartment. Well, it's funny. And the first time she they show her in his apartment, she's talking about how cool it is yes. that he has that he has a hammock in his apartment. And then the next time they show her in the apartment, she's moved in, and Andy comes in and is like, Where's my hammock? And she's put the hammock away somewhere. Yeah, all of a sudden the hammock is immature and messy. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like, what the hell? So that implodes. That relationship implodes pretty quickly, uh, understandably so. And all this is happening, and we have not touched on Letitia's thing. Right. So Letitia is getting letters, poems. Because the, the kids see that she is a little into the soccer coach, played by Paul Rodriguez. Hilarious. Like, he is hilarious. Yeah. He's doing all the Paul Rodriguez things. <laughs> he looks confused throughout most He's of the so movie. Confused. <laughs> but, I mean, it's – I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if I was – if I was a teacher at a school and I saw Leticia, I'd be like, wow, she's really hot. But damn, yeah. that looks like impossible to get. Like, she just looks like very hard to get. Like, either she's married or she does. She's impotent. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she just, it's like she does not ever want to be. There uh, must be asexual. a reason. Yeah, there must be a reason she is single. Exactly. And so he but he, at the same time, he's like, I mean, even we were both like this. We're like, Jesus, she's still hot, though. Like, I mean, come on. And so, like, they have this connection, and the kids notice. And so they start writing these little love letters. And, I, I, Jesus, these kids are must have a really good literature teacher because they're really fucking getting the best bang out of their buck writing all these letters. Yeah, if I remember, I think those were all (laughs) poems that that were – those were all poems that were – Written by other authors, yeah. You know, they, they oh, were cop- they were throwing them in there. Yeah, they were copying oh, them. Oh, It was working. Yeah, and uh, to the point where at some point, and I do like the whole interaction because it's obvious that his name's Orlando, by the way, the Paul Rodriguez's character, Orlando, and it's obvious he's into her, and, but at the same time, he's not good with words. He's the opposite of yeah. a poetic, romantic man. He's a coach. He's a coach. So he's like, hey, good biceps. You should like, you know, if you hit the gym, you can really get those triceps going. Like he's always coming up with this like generic core shit. But he's trying to talk to her, but yeah. she doesn't give her, he, she doesn't give him anything. So then he's like, oh, I guess she's not into me, whatever. 
But then she marches across the fucking baseball field during the game. Yeah. Because <laughs> she decides to get a makeover. Because yeah, she's gotten a makeover. She's hot. Yeah, she's, she's hot. I mean, she's always hot, but she's hotted up now. She this gets a, a, what do they call it? A, 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 what do the ladies call it? A perm or? No. Makeover? There's a name for it. Oh, God damn it. Everyone's calling it. They're all saying it right now. Glow up? <laughs> Thank you. A glow up. She gets a glow up, and now her hair's all flowy. She's wearing a thong, which yeah. she picks at, by the way. <laughs> she doesn't even know how to wear a thong. And she marches across the field. She goes up to him. She's like, I she's like, I completely feel the same way. I love you. And she's kissing him all over the face. And he's like, Wait, what letters are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so she's embarrassed, and she runs better in high heels than I will ever run. Like, Jesus. If I had high heels, I would break both my ankles. Like, she yeah. does a great job. Um, it's a, it's incredible what shame can do to the person. <laughs> it really makes it land on your feet. And so she gets across the field, and she goes. And I do love that. Like, it's such a, a very Paul Rodriguez scene. Because the one thing I love about Paul Rodriguez, he has a quite a way of com- uh, con- coming across very um, heartfelt and very sentimental. Like he has a very squishy, soft thing about him right. that I think is very relatable because he's not he's not an incredibly attractive person. Right. <laughs> and, and he's not doing a lot of machismo stuff. No, he's not a machismo guy. No, he, the most machismo thing is that about him is he can ride a motorcycle. Cheers yeah. to Charlie. Uh, <laughs> uh, Charlie, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about, Charlie. Mm-hmm. You're uh, well, most yeah. machismo thing about him is he does ride a motorcycle. Uh, and so he comes through and he's like, hey, if I could have said those words in a poem, I would have because I actually do really like you, blah, blah, blah. And then they break code. Like, basically, I guess the early 2000s are real loosey-goosey in L.A. because these two teachers just start making out in the yeah. classroom. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not allowed, but uh, you can really go fucking mouth to mouth. And they are not just like pecking; these two people are about to make a porno. <laughs> yeah. Holy well, man. that well, that's one of the things, and this is you know they play it for humor later. But Matisha, she's pretty pin up. And oh, she, oh yeah, she's ready to pop, and you know so yeah, she she goes in whole hog. She's a Uno reverse card virgin. Like she's like, I don't even know what that means. But like yeah. she, is, she is basically a virgin again. Like she, it's been Honos. They do say how many years it's been. But I think it's, it's 15 or something. It's super long. It's been a while yeah. since this chick has had any action whatsoever. She, she is fired up that. Woo. It's like a fucking brick oven. Just ready yeah. to cook up a, a double Dave's pizza. Just uh, she's ready to go. Yeah, she is ready to go. And so is so is Robbie because he's a big fan. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, so they get together, and you're like, okay, cool. I guess we'll see what happens with that. Jesus, is that speed up, man? I did yes, not expect does. that to happen. Fucking a. We we head to another dinner. Yeah, with, and with Pop, and, and Leticia has an announcement. <laughs> Yeah, but, what is it, Robbie? <laughs> well, what the okay, before we get to Letitia's announcement, there's what there's another plot line we haven't touched on here that's going on the whole time. Right, let's go. 
And so that is that um, the daughters, you know, the part of it is all the daughters are like trying to find their own lives, but they're also a little bit, they're all worried about their dad because he's older and, you know, he's, I guess about 60 and, you know, Gomez has passed away. And so they don't want to leave him by, by himself, but they all want to go off and start their own lives. And so one of the things that happens is their neighbor, who's Carmen's friend, um, that's right, is getting a divorce. And so as she's going through and Constance, she's, go- Constance, yeah. and she's going through this. Oh, divorce- it's played by Constance Marie. Oh. Her name is Yolanda, I think. Yolanda. I think. And so Yolanda's going through a divorce. She's got a young daughter uh, and her mother comes to stay with her while uh, this is all going on. And so, again, during these dinners, her mother comes with her to the dinners. And her mother is played by... um, Legendary. Yes. Uh, Raquel Welch. Maybe, what, the most legendary hot actress of all time, possibly? Possibly. Top five, at least? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, Raquel Welch, what what was she to you? Because we're, like, different, we're from different, slightly different generations. What was a Raquel Welsh to you? What was the first time you ever experienced the hotness? Wow, I'm trying to because th- um... <laughs> <laughs> she is. I mean, even in this film in 2001, I can't even imagine what age she is. She's got to be sixty. Yeah, sixty something. I'd say over sixty. And uh... I got to say, Robbie, I would. Smash the shit! <laughs> I it hurt mean, me. Yeah, I mean, she is. I I don't care what she's done to herself. I don't care how much of that is is inanimate objects of plastic. No. I I totally would. No. She is in, incredibly gorgeous. She I, is legendarily beautiful. And her name is Hortensia, which is I think they did this on purpose because Hortensia just makes you think of horny lady. <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, you asked me what my, I don't know what my first uh, impression of Raquel Welch was, but my favorite is Hanny Calder. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, because she just wears a poncho and a gun belt. And, That's all you need sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and, and then la- and later some skin-tight pants. And that's, <laughs> um, yeah, she is amazing. And yeah, so she plays uh, Yolanda's uh, mother. Is it mother or mother she, play, she plays her mother. And uh, what was it? I read somewhere that said that this, this was the only role, one of the few roles she ever took where she played her age and her ethnicity. Yeah, because she honestly, and, and you know, and that was something I was telling my brother because I was not familiar with her background. I didn't right. know that she, I think she's of Bolivian descent or something like that. She's, she's of some sort of Latin descent. She's Mexican. Um, she's like, yeah, half Mexican and yeah. like half uh, European of some sort. I think yeah. her mother was of European descent. Um, but obviously back then when she was born, whoever your father was, that was the, she right. definitely Spanish was her first language for sure. Like yeah. guaranteed. If your dad was, spoke Spanish, that was language you learned first. And then you, you learned whatever your mom learned, whatever your mom spoke. Like, and that was kind of the same thing with my family. Um, so my great grandmother was from Germany. So she oh. spoke German primarily, but my great, grandfather this is all my mom's side my great grandfather Hedrera my great grandfather uh spoke Spanish Hedrera so that was the primary language so my great grandmother she was redheaded blue eyes 
spoke the worst Spanish you can ever imagine. <laughs> but she spoke really good German, and yeah. but she eventually learned it over time. Yeah. But like you know, all the kids learned Spanish first. Yeah. Then they barely knew any German because I think that back then it was so traditional. You learned whatever the 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 patriarchy right uh, of your family was, yeah. and so I think it was similar for her. But apparently, her dad was very strict about her understanding, like like learning Spanish the correct way, like the very Castilian way. Right. You know, so. So anyhow, uh, Hortensia is coming to dinners over at the house, uh, and she's about the same age as Martine. And so the daughters, they don't like her because she's kind of, you know, she seems to be pretentious and she's bossy. And uh, it's very like, you know, one of, the, one of those things of where she's just checking boxes. Right. Like at that age, I mean, even at my age dating. I can tell when women are just like, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. do you want this? Do you want that? Do you have this done? How's your health score? Like what, what are your, what's your, how many uh, carbs do you, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's good on paper. <laughs> yes. And so she's like, he's, he, you know, he's a renowned chef. He's been successful. He's got this great house. He's in Kids a are, The daughters are moving away. And- it's a good, yeah, it's a good situation for her because her daughter's not that. And that's the thing. It was probably what you were going to say was her daughter is not in the same like her daughter is like a working class mom, single mom with a kid. Yeah. So it's a whole different scenario. Yeah. And so the daughters are like, well, we don't really like her, but dad seems to be spending time with her. You know, uh, she and Yolanda and, and Yolanda's daughter come over and, you know, they seem to be spending time together. And so that's someone for, for Martine to be with. So they feel a little bit, you know, they don't really like her that much, it seems, but it's, if it makes her dad happy, then they also feel a little better about they can move on with their wives and move yeah. out. Yeah, it's like the proper green light. Right. So <laughs> you know, he's distracted. Yeah, and so there's also, you know, this constant thing of uh, that the daughters see um, Martine spending time with uh, uh, Tinsia and her daughter, you know, and so. Yeah. And what they don't see, which we get a little bit of, but not enough to expect the the twist at the end. Right. Was he he speaks to her to her daughter. Was it what's her daughter's name again? Um Yolanda. Yolanda. He speaks to the daughter and he tells her they eventually she eventually finds out that she's been giving her he's been giving her daughter uh little lunches because Yolanda you know, can't cook. <laughs> yeah, she does. She's not the best cook, and he's obviously uh, very appreciative of the culinary arts. And by the way, oh my god, bro! If anyone, I, I, I thought it was privileged because I had free lunch. It turns out we just made the grade of how poor we were. <laughs> I was like, ha, ha, you have to pay for lunch. I didn't know that though. I was like, I get free lunch, motherfucker. Um, and if anyone had came up to me and given me what he gave her, like he has it all separated in these little silver bowls and they yeah. all look so good and he gives her cookies. Oh my god. And nothing dated this this movie more than when he sees the porcupine cookies as they're called, which I think is like a mixture of coconut and uh yeah. chocolate chip and it looks good. And uh this one kid goes, I'll trade you a Pokemon card for your coconut cookie. <laughs> yeah. And I guess in my time that would have been a a, a po- uh, one of those pogs. Um, Remember pogs? Yeah. <laughs> would have been a pog. I'll, I'll trade you my slammer for that cookie, dude. Because <laughs> I'm a little bit younger than these kids. 
but yeah, like that was crazy to see that. I love that. And I love the I, fact that they were having that little arrangement. It was kind of cute. And I also thought it was a, a thing that Martin likes being a dad and he likes yes. being a dad to a daughter. You know, that's, yeah, that's all he knows. Yeah. That's all he knows. And he's a great dad. And I think he, Basically, I think he was – he's not done. Right. He's not done. He loves raising kids. I think – to be honest, I think a lot of the, you know, borderline – you know, I don't want to even say trauma. But I think a lot of the anxiety and stress that the girls have was because he was dealing with – and we learn as we watch the film that he was trying to run his own restaurant as a chef with his wife and as you probably know that's an incredibly difficult endeavor and it's very tough there's a big difference between being a great cook and running a great business yeah it's, and it's he entirely learned different. It. it's entirely different it takes an entirely different mindset and honestly it takes away from the art of creating great food like i feel like you need to have both parties in line and I think it's best for your chef to not worry about all that. If I was running yeah. a business, I'd want my chef to only worry about making the food. And the business is created by somebody else. The marketing is created by somebody else. The branding is created by somebody else. Like, I think that's the best situation. Yeah. But I, it, it was pretty obvious that Martin was pretty thinned out and it, it affected their marriage. So the girls grew up with them having a lot of turmoil, seeing the parents fight over the business, trying to make it work. And I think at this point in his life, with the business not happening anymore and him just sort of having the catering business that he owns and helping out when he can, I think he's, he was in a situation where he's not – he doesn't have all that on his shoulders anymore. Right. He's got, he's got freedom to make some choices. Yeah, and he could probably be a more involved parent, like a more yeah. involved dad. Yeah. You know, the girls probably didn't have that version of him, and they – but they, at the same time – they had all this – they had the um, the privilege that they could have had because he was working that hard, because the restaurant was working. Right. You know what I mean? So it's kind well, of a – it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, earlier in the movie, Gomez talks – when he's talking to Carmen, he, he talks about that you know she would see her dad when she came up and she would hang out in the restaurant when she was yeah, a little kid. Yeah, he was probably working – I mean, let's face it. Like, I mean, you know, fifteen more than hours a day. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Like, how many hours have you worked a week before in your experience? Like, has it been pretty rough? Um, when you were doing the chef stuff, there. I, I mean, I don't want to. This isn't a brag, but uh, don't brag. Got, I don't know. I know. I've got pay stubs with more than a hundred hours on the clock in a week. That's fucking crazy, dude. That's. I mean. That's what I'm saying. I don't yeah. think – and I think a lot of people watching this film don't realize it. Yeah. But when you dedicate yourself to culinary arts, like that is – it's very akin to a musician except that I think what makes it hurt even more is it's one thing when your dad's on tour and he's all over the world mm -hmm. and you're not going to see him until three months. But then when your dad is just 20 minutes away but you're not going to see him because you're going to be asleep by the time he gets home. And then by the time you wake up and you go to school, he's still asleep. Then he's back at work. Like, you don't yeah. see him for months, even though he's right there. That's yeah. even more torturous in a way. Yeah. 50 to 60 hours was pretty normal. But and 90 wasn't unheard of. But there were a few that, that got up there. There were, there were yeah. times where literally all I could do was work, sleep, and do laundry. 
And that wow. You know, Jesus. I mean, I I have to like put a alarm clock just so I could touch myself. <laughs> so. No no time for that. <laughs> so I had to schedule that. It's like, <laughs> you have to schedule jerk sessions. Yeah, it's, it'd take a personal day. <laughs> yeah, but like you have like a physical calendar, you're like, yeah, all right. Like, I got a day in July that I could yeah. probably fit it in. <laughs> Asia Carrera. I'm going <laughs> to check out to Asia. Uh, yeah, like it's it's bonkers. And so I, I, I think I feel like the movie could have probably put a little bit more on that and the emphasis of that, because if you don't understand that aspect of it, you know what I mean? You don't take yeah. into the fact of like why the daughters are the way they are. Cause right. if, if you don't know that you're like, Oh, these daughters are so underappreciative of like what their like dad is brought to them and like what he, the effort he puts in. Cause he does at first make you feel kind of sh- sad for him because the movie just keeps showing you all these little details of what he's putting into these uh, meals. Right. Every Sunday dinner and how much they're not appreciating it. And not only are they not appreciating it, they keep giving them bad news. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, could you just not shit on the work I'm putting in every night for this family, dude? Like, y'all suck. But you eventually begin to realize, like, they just don't understand, like, how much he's put in just to make sure that they're are at the position that they are in right. to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like, I, I really did, like, I think even talking it out here the movie makes more sense. Like it just yeah. makes more sense because the movie itself, it, this could have been, it doesn't go too dark and it doesn't go too funny. And I think that's right. why this movie is kind of, uh, it's kind of in that middling, like it's probably overlooked a lot by a lot of people. Right. I think a lot of people have never seen this movie. And I think a lot of it is because it's very middle. It doesn't do anything too yeah. extreme other yeah. than the twist at the end, which I think is probably <laughs> the biggest. I don't know if you want to talk about it, Robbie, but if you would like to explain what happens <laughs> at the end of this film, I think the listeners would enjoy it for any of those. That <laughs> okay. Seen it. So um, as, as they go through the movie, uh, it becomes each of the, each of the girls kind of finds her, their way in life. And they, and one by one, they all move out. So, uh, uh what's the youngest one's name um oh Madi. Madi. uh she and andy uh end up together and then um because Leti- he decides to go to school with her right yeah and and then leticia and um orlando you know leticia stands up at dinner and says i have an announcement and what's the announcement well, it turns out she and Orlando got married. I smashed your daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's prego, so we need to go get married. <laughs> well, no, and, and the thing was like, and she's like, she's trying to be really cool, or like, she's trying to dance around it, but it's basically, it's like, I was so horny, I had to marry him because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't wait, and it was going to happen. And you know, so. it's amazing, yeah. And Paul Rodriguez is hilarious throughout yeah. this. Yes, he's so good. And then, but you know, it, but Martina is really cool with Orlando because this is big news. You know, your daughter comes in and says, "I got married. I didn't tell you." And Paul Rodriguez is like, "You know, I can get us uh, tickets to see the Dodgers." And yeah. finally, Martina is like, "Okay, you get the tickets, and I'll bring the food." I think and, he was just glad, like, "Oh my god, I thought this this daughter was gonna stay with me until I fucking died in my yeah. bed." And um, so then, you know, Letitia and Orlando they move out, and um, 
So it's getting to the point that uh, Martin is going to have the house. He's going to be by himself. And so and, and Carmen decides to like not go on the business event. Like, I, or, or no, this is, is this happened yet or no? She's supposed to go to Barcelona. She's supposed to go to Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then so they have a family dinner. Everyone's there. Uh, Martin stands up and he's, you know, he's, he's giving his speech about how much family means to him. And, you know, Hortensia's there. Yolanda's there. Yolanda's daughter's there. He stands up. He's talking about how mean, you know, how much family means to him and how much he loves having a family and yeah. that he's gone to the doctor and, and been checked out. He's in good health and he wants to have a, a new, you know, a new uh, phase in life that he sold the house and that was big news, by the way. Like yeah. it's huge in big families when you sell the house under your kids and they don't even understand. Like, dude, this house I'm in right now, I like. We wanted to sell. Me and my brother wanted to sell the shit out of this house. My two sisters have not let this happen. It's the childhood home we grew up in. Yeah. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, people want to live. Like people want to move in this neighborhood. Like this neighborhood is like slowly like. It's uh, close to downtown. It's in mm-hmm. the inner city, but it's like part of that. It's not, I want to say it's gentrified, but it's part of that rejuvenation. Like it's part of that. It's coming together. But my two sisters don't want to sell this house. And, and so I, I understood when the sisters' faces, I was like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it. And so, and then he announces that he was getting married, you know, <laughs> which was like, <laughs> wait, what? I haven't seen you. All I've seen you do is jog, huff and puff, and feed a little child. And so, like the daughters are like, well, they, you know, they they're happy for their dad. You know that he's doing something he wants to do that's going to make him happy. He's going to marry. He's going to marry Hortensia, and Hortensia is all a flutter because apparently this is his proposal to her. She's like rubbing her fingers together, like fucking burns, like from the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> and then he drops the bomb. Oh and, my god. He and Yolanda are getting married. <laughs> Damn it, man. This guy knows what the fuck he's doing. He's like, you yeah. know what? I'm going to bone Selena's mom. Yeah. She, she played <laughs> Selena's mom in the movie. <laughs> and she's also in the George Lopez show. I love Constance. Like, she is, she has been beautiful for way too long. Like, she's still gorgeous. Constance Marie. She has been obviously, like, so fucking hot. She's barely in the film, which is what caught me off guard because, like, wait, what? You had that kind of exchange on the wait, bench. I didn't think about it. You had, you didn't know it was coming. <laughs> I didn't. I did not know. I never see. This is the first time I see the film, oh. and I was like, wait. And I, I, I kind of knew there was a twist, but I didn't quite know that was going to happen. I thought he was going to be like, I want to live on my own, and then he was right. going to tell what's her name, like. Uh, horny lady that like hey like I like you but I think I need to kind of figure out I thought it was going to be kind of a juxtaposition of Madi where he's going to be like I want to figure out myself right. and live on my own for a little bit you know what I mean because he's not that old like he's like 65 like he's still got fucking years ahead of him yeah he's still jogging he's the- still jogging and shit yeah I mean I mean, he's huffing and puffing like me during a J session but like I mean I was <laughs> Like he's still fucking making it work, and, and so I didn't think that was gonna happen. But then all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, Yolanda, do you want to marry me, person that is twenty years younger than yeah. me? My daughter's best friend. <laughs> She's like the same age as Leticia, pretty much. Yeah, it's just amazing. But I, at the same time, all the all his daughters are like, 
All right, you go, Dan. You got yeah. like, God damn it, you, you struck a whole run on this one. And Hortensia is just having a fit. She faints. Like, yeah. she's trying to faint. She fucking goes head first into the ground. Yeah. They have to lift her up. She's wearing like a loud ass pink dress because she was like just getting ready to announce her engagement. And they sit her down and they're trying to give her like water and shit. She's like, get that shit away from me. She's like, I hate everybody. It is amazing. It's a great twist. It is a good twist. It's fun. I don't know if the Ang Lee version has something like this. I'm sure it has something similar. It has the exact same twist. Okay. Yeah. This is really a very faithful remake of that It's a Mexican-American version of that. Yeah. So that was the the funny thing when you were talking about how um, uh, Hispanic this was. Yes. Uh, At the beginning, it's like, it's funny because it is exactly like the other movie. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah, other than, I guess, setting and the Spanglish, that's kind of what separates it, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah. And also the food, obviously, like the, 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 the kind of food he's making. He does yeah, make the kind tortillas. of food. Yeah, he eventually does make tortilla soup. I think it's Andy's dinner when they go to, uh, I think. It's one of the dinners. I think maybe yep. the last dinner. But one he does make friends' comments on it. Yes, yeah. yeah in, oh, yeah, no, no. It's when... um. Leticia brings uh, Paul Rodriguez when he when she brings Orlando. That's when he makes her tortilla soup because I saw him making it and it was much more a traditional version because the uh, version that you could taste in San Antonio, whole different look. Like wow. I saw the way he made it and I'm like, that's not the way tortilla soup looks here. Kind of depends on where you get it, but dude, I will tell you. Okay, as a, a local drunk, like tortilla soup, I like in the morning when I'm not hungover like i love tortilla soup as like it's a pure it's just so good you can eat it for dinner you can eat it for breakfast you can eat it for lunch it's always good but man when i am fucking drunk at night and it's the morning time and i'm ready to sober up i go for the menudo and i don't know how many of y'all have had menudo but a good classic mexican menudo will sober you up so fucking fast you'll be ordering a fucking modelo by the end of the <laughs> It's like 10 a.m. You're like, you know what? I'll grab a little. Why not? I'm like, I'm ready to go. Well, next time, I, next time I'm in San Antonio, I'm going to expect you to take me out for Menudo. <laughs> Dude, I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah, I know. Like, me and Robbie have actually hung out here in San Antonio, but we were here at night. Yeah. So, like, if we're ever, if, yeah, if we ever have a full day to hang out, I will take you for some breakfast, like a nice 10 a.m. type breakfast. And uh, we will get some menudo, good. dude. After good. like before of night of drinking, and it will definitely sober <laughs> you up. So as you know, I like to rate these movies by uh oh, wait, by... There, there's one more part of the movie. Okay, cool. Go ahead. <laughs> in the end Oh Carmen... yeah, I forgot about that part. <laughs> in the end, Carmen follows her passion and opens a restaurant. Uh and what's it called? Uh Nuevo Latino? Or I think so, something like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And so Carmen opens a restaurant rather than going off to uh, do business in Barcelona. Yeah, she, just, yeah, she decides to go to Barcelona and she she sees her dad in the house and she's like, "I wanna, I'm gonna stay here. I'm gonna represent the family. I'm gonna open up my own restaurant." And all the family comes to eat in her restaurant. So that's which is not- so cool. Like that's awesome. Like I mean, the fact that she decides like, and the fact that I guess. It kind of worked out that he made her do all this stuff first because she yep. had the savings to put toward opening a restaurant. Right. And she's going to have the business sense to run it. Exactly. 
It's a perfect fucking blend. It actually worked out great for her. She looks cute with her little bandana on. She's a fucking uh, blood, apparently. She has a red <laughs> bandana. But anyway, as you know, I like to do a cricket version of the movies I like to cover. This is a segment I like to go. Quick impressions. All right. Jesus Christ. Quick impressions. I love toppings. Sometimes I go to restaurants and I just order toppings. That is a quick impression of Orlando Castillo played by Paul Rodriguez when he's in an awkward dinner. <laughs> Yo, I, I don't mean anything by this, Daniel, but that may have been your best quick impression ever. <laughs> <laughs> And as you know, I like to rate these movies my favorite mustaches. You have the full Fu Manchu recommendation for fucking hell, yeah. You have the walrus mustache for pretty damn good. You have the horseshoe mustache for not fucking bad. And the dreaded Hitler mustache for burn this movie in hell. Robbie, how would you rate this mustache? You're more than welcome to come up with your own if you want. Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to give this one a full Fu Manchu. I really enjoy this movie. Wow, really? I did not expect you to give yeah. it that. Okay. I, I really like this movie. Tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, what, tell me why. This is one of the best food movies there is. I, you know, as I love watching the food preparation, it's amazing. The detail and the love that goes into it is fantastic. I like the story. Uh, you know, it, it's wholesome, it's happy, it's fun, it's about family. And, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of good scenery in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're so politically. There's a lot of good scenery in it. <laughs> I'm glad you like the spice baby. Cause you were yeah. welcome back to San Antonio anytime. <laughs> Cause there is plenty of that around here. If you like a little bit, of that. but like, yes, I honestly, I will give this the full Fu Manchu as well. And I'm giving it from the sense of like, cause I think, 10 years ago that Daniel would have given this probably a low tier walrus or a top tier horseshoe but I give this a full full menu if you have a family if you're from a background where you have multiple siblings and that you have that dynamic where you know you have a dad that you fully respect you don't have daddy issues which I, I run into a lot in the dating scene by the way let me tell you but if you have if you honestly respect your father it's difficult it's almost better to hate your dad like if your dad's kind of garbage it's actually easier it sucks when your dad's awesome because you feel like this urge of like holy shit i i got to kind of do as good as him or better yeah. and it's a lot of pressure and especially if you're, you know, I can't speak to it, but I think especially if you're a woman and you you know that there's a lot of um, obstacles for you. And unfortunately, and there shouldn't be, but there are. And I think it, it is a lot of pressure. And especially if your mom's not there and you can't answer to her. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this film speaks to all that. And yes, it's a more mild film. And there's not a bunch of crazy shit happening. Yeah. And it's not overly dramatic and no one's addicted to heroin or mm. like no one's addicted to drugs in this movie, which right. blew my mind, by the way. But like I was like shocked. It's it's wholesome. It's 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 a wholesome film, but there's actually real drama in it. Stuff that you could relate to. Anyone could relate to, even whether you're Mexican-American or you're some fucking New Zealander that's playing rugby right now. Mm. Like, I feel like you can find a way to relate to it. It still has some good laughs in it. 
if you love culinary arts and you like watching food prepared, I mean, get some tissues and lotion because, I mean, yeah. especially if you like Mexican food being made. This guy, I mean, just watching this guy split a couple of dried chilies. Uh, smoke. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I feel like I learned how to cook just watching this yeah. thing, and I'm not a good cook, but I've seen my abuelitas, I've seen my mom cook like this. For it, it, the thing about cooking is like, even though I never have thought about the memories of watching my grandma cook, watching my grandfather mm-hmm. cook. Watching my mom cook, even though I, I, I'm not thinking specifically about them, by watching this film, it pulls those memories out of you. Yeah. And that is something special about the art of cooking and the art of how it connects your family, like how it brings yeah. family together. Yeah, and it's something that's kind of lost in American tradition. You know, there's so many families that just eat at TV you know they just right. eat at the tv and they don't meet up for dinner and talk to each other and 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 talk you know like really talk to each other not just saying like oh my day was good and they're just making up shit no and i have an annu- it- i have an announcement i got married in las vegas you know like nobody has that as much as they should have and honestly, that's where it should happen. And, uh, you know, yeah, like I was I was joking about it, how it like fucks me up over the movie because I want to see the meet the food. But that's where it should happen. That's where it should happen, because you have your family together. It's where you should talk things out. And that's where you should figure things out. And that's what this family does. And in the end, it makes you feel good. Like it's a yeah. great feel good film. I give it the full full mentor recommendation. Anyway. Do you, do you have anything to plug for the for the show, Robbie? Are you going to be on? Are you on any episodes? Anything coming up? Or are you going to be on the grind bin soon? Or do you need to throw uh, you on there? Let's see. I was just on the grind bin for a couple bonus episodes. I'm going to be on the grind bin um, next week, so it'll probably come out about the same time this this does. Oh, yeah, yeah, and so I'll be on the grind bin again uh, coming up in a couple weeks. All right, check out the grind bin at the grind bin podcast. Um, I guess I I, I forget what they're missing with their uh, Instagram is and their Twitter. But if you just look up the Gribin podcast, you'll find their website. It has all their, uh, their Twitter, Instagram, their, you know, all their latest updates and latest episodes. I'm on there quite often. And speaking of the Gribin episode, uh, I mean, sorry, the Gribin podcast, I'm covering some of my favorite episodes. I just did uh, McBain and I'm going to do Miami connection, which will probably be out before this comes uh. out. And there's a couple other episodes I'm going to cover, and I'm just doing solo cellos. They're short, quick episodes. I just want to talk about them. I'm basically just throwing in the jokes I would have thrown in if I was in the episode because <laughs> I'm so <laughs> crazy. So I'm gonna I'm just covering some of those. But you know what? I might bring on a couple of guests for a couple of those old grinding episodes. So Robbie, stay stay tuned for some of those. If you yeah, absolutely. Been a part of them, I saw me. You know. I saw McBain pop up, so I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm, I'm, it's on the list. Oh, it's a diatribe of Daniel craziness, and I think you'll enjoy it. For any, so for y'all listeners, you can follow the, the Mustachio Podcastio at Mustachio Podcastio on Instagram and at M Podcastio on Twitter. And feel free to suggest any movies you uh, you you would like me to cover. If you, if they have a mustache, feel free to bring them on. If you're interested in guessing on the Mustachio Podcastio, feel free to bring them on. So, Robbie. Thank you so much for joining the show. You're always such a great guest, and you bring on some damn good films, and we truly appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Daniel. 
oh, I just want to watch you cook and jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to go now. <laughs> All right. All right. We, we got to go now. He's going to he's gonna cook for me, and then I'm going to finish off and go to sleep. All right. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>